بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I hope everyone is doing well I make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us in this blessed month of Ramadan gives us tawfiq to continue fasting for his sake with a pious intention and gives us tawfiq to stand with vigor and strength in the qiyamul layl and the taraweeh prayers and we also ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us whatever a'mal and actions we are doing and we ask him to multiply that for us and also forgive our sins amin ya rabbal alamin so inshallah i will be reading some of the questions that uh, the the listeners have been sending in regarding especially regarding the month of ramadan and and uh, masail regarding fasting now i think some of these questions are going to be uh, repeats of what we have already mentioned before but i think it's pertinent that we uh, gather all of them together inshallah so that we can all listen inshallah and and uh, benefit if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. So without further ado, inshallah, I will uh, start with the question. So the first question that we have is, what age? at what age should a kid start fasting? So regarding the age in which we have to fast, that is bulugh. Bulugh in Arabic means when someone has reached the age of puberty. So this actually differs between every single individual it's going to differ uh, it really depends uh, on on the signs of bulugh signs of puberty for some it's going to be very clear um, you know the the fuqaha have talked about this and we're also very aware of what these signs are if these signs appear on a child or you know just an adolescent then this is a sign that they're baligh so they must keep the fast now. It's it's mandatory. And if there are absolutely no signs, then if they have reached the age of 15, then that will be considered their puberty, their balugh, uh, and, and they will have to fast from that time. Now it's very important to know that when they reach this age, it is absolutely mandatory that they have to fast. So... You know, if, if we as parents feel like our children are going through very, you know, difficulty, they have to go to school, they have to study, and they're not used to fasting, sometimes a child can become baligh, can become, uh, can reach the age of puberty at early as 10, or maybe even younger than that. Uh, but, you know, that is why we have to get them to start practicing the fasts before that time. Right. It is wise and prudent for us to have our children to, you know, practice the fasts maybe every other day or so when they're about, you know, eight, nine, etc. Or at least a few, uh, you know, they don't have to fast a whole day, but a few hours at a time, inshallah, so that they can get ready for that. Because if they reach bulugh, especially the girls, they reach often bulugh earlier, then it is mandatory that they have to fast. So that is the answer. It's basically bulugh or puberty. When a child reaches puberty, they must fast. 
Now, if a child that is near puberty, in Arabic, this is called a murahiq, someone who, uh, you know, it seems that they could reach puberty any any day now. Um, if they say that they have reached puberty, that means that they have reached puberty. That statement of theirs is binding on them. And we, as parents, cannot deny that. We can't say, no, you're, you're not balig uh, yet. Their statement is binding on them, and that means that they must fast. They must also pr perform the salah now. Now, what happens if a child who has now reached puberty does not keep the fast? So, there's two scenarios here. One is if this uh, child or young adult now uh, does not even intend the fast. You know, they, they're, they're in their mind, they're not going to fast, so they never made the intention to fast. But as we know, it is binding on them. And sometimes, you know, unfortunately, the parents will prevent the child from fasting. They'll actually force the child not to fast, probably because they don't know this ruling. But we cannot prevent them from doing so. This is the rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anyway, in situation A, where they don't even intend uh, the fast, then you know they're eating, etc. Then what they will have to do is keep that fast after Ramadan. They're going to have to do the qada or the makeup of that fast. And they're going to have to do that after Ramadan because it is binding on them. So that's scenario A. Scenario number two or scenario B is going to be that the child or you know the, the young adult now is actually intending to fast. They made the niyyah to fast. And making the niyyah is something very simple. It's just in the heart of the individual. If they say that, you know, I'm fasting today, then that is binding on them. They are actually fasting. As soon as they make the niyyah, they are going to be fasting. So now let's say this young adult has made the niyyah that I am fasting today. And then the parent or someone makes them break the fast. Or they just break their fast on purpose. Right? They, they are cognizant. They are aware they know that I'm about to eat food or drink water and that is going to break the fast and then they do so. If this situation happens where they've made the niyyah, they started the fast and then they purposefully broke it, not only will they have to do the qada, the makeup of that fast after Ramadan, but they will also have to do the kafara, which is a penalty for breaking the, the fast on purpose. This penalty is very severe. The penalty is that they must fast for 60 days straight without a single break without a single break so if they are fasting and then you know in one day in the middle of you know after 30 days they miss uh, one day of fasting they have to restart that penalty over uh, so this is binding on them and if it's a, a female then she will take a break for her uh, monthly period uh, and then right after that she will start counting the, up till 60 again so it's very severe and you know if if they make the knee and then they break it it's very severe so we should be very careful regarding this issue okay moving on to the second question uh, I want to know how one can make up for mandatory fasts which were missed years ago if someone started keeping fasts only after reaching the age of 17 or 18 and not immediately after becoming baligh, or someone ended up eating up until Fajr Salah started instead of breaking instead of the breaking of dawn knowingly or unknowingly, 
what would be the recommended way to compensate for such fasts? Okay, so this question is talking about how to keep the, the makeup fasts. So in this scenario, an individual has uh, not been keeping fasts until they were about 17 or 18. And hypothetically speaking, they became baligh at 13. Right? So they became you know, of age, they, they reached puberty at 13, now they're 18. So this is five years of missed Ramadan fasts. Now the same thing that I just mentioned before applies if at any time they had made the niyyah, when they were baligh, they made the niyyah that I'm fasting for a Ramadan and they, they purposefully broke it. Not only do they have to keep one qada, one makeup for the one they missed, but they also have to do a kafara. And if they never made the niyyah of fasting and then they broke it on purpose, then just a qada of that. So let's say, for instance, this individual who is 18 years old um, never, you know, uh, made the niyyah of fasting. So, you know, don't you know, we're not counting in the kafara aspect. Um, but they just missed, uh, let's say, five years of Ramadan. So five years of Ramadan is about five months. So now what they will have to do is they have to do the qada, which is the makeup of five months worth of Ramadan. They have the choice to split up the qada into you know different portions. Uh, they can do one day and then they can skip a few days and then they can do another day. So one easy way is just to tally them up. Uh, whenever a person feels the energy to fast, they can start fasting them and start tallying them up. And the person, the individual, has the choice whether you want to do them consecutively, whether you want to do three at a time and then take a three-day break. Whatever tartib and whatever organization helps the individual, they can uh, go according to that tartib, inshallah. And regarding the details of qada and kafara, I would recommend that uh, you uh, watch our uh, presentation regarding the, the fiqh of, uh, of, of fasting, the fiqh of sawm. Uh, inshallah, that is on our YouTube channel, inshallah. So there's more details regarding, uh, you know, under what circumstance will a person just have to do a single makeup, which is called a qada, or if a person, you know, broke their fast uh, deliberately, you know, under what circumstance would they have to do the kafara as well? So all of those details are in that presentation, inshallah, uh, and that is on our YouTube channel. Okay, next question. During the year, I use a phone app to know when Salatul Fajr starts. However, when Masajid published the Ramadan schedules, the time marked for end of Suhoor is about 15 to 20 minutes earlier than what my phone says. What is this time difference and which should we follow when fasting? Okay, so in the apps that we have to, you know, which tell us the time for Salah, there are actually different settings. There are different settings. So if you go into the settings and you look at, uh, you know, the timings for the Salah, you will have uh, many different choices there. So amongst those choices, you will have some saying that, um, and these, it will say like, you know, 15 degrees or 18 degrees. Generally, what many of the muftis have given the fatwa on is that the 18 degrees uh, schedule should be followed. So if we're not aware, you can just go to your app and change that 
uh, if it's on 16 or 15 degrees you can change that to 18 degrees inshallah and then it'll be according to what the masajid have so generally speaking our masajid are going to have the schedules set up according to the 18 degrees now I'm not going to go too deep into what that is, you know, why is 18 degrees versus 16, what does that even mean? Uh, but that is what accounts for the difference. There's a difference of opinion regarding when Salatul Fajr sets in, and the difference is in regarding to that, you know, that reference of degrees. So that is why we have that difference. So it's better to take the opinion which is more cautious which means that we should take the more cautious opinion regarding when to stop eating and that is earlier because everyone agrees that let's say for instance uh, uh, the 18 degree chart is saying that Salatul Fajr sets in at 6 a.m. whereas the you know 16 degree or 15 degree chart is saying Salatul Fajr sets in at 620 now there's a 20 minute difference Everyone is going to agree that if you stopped eating at 6 a.m. or before 6 a.m., your fast is going to be correct. But only, you know, one group is going to agree that if you stopped eating at 6.10, your fast will be correct. Because according to the other group, Salatul Fajr set in at 6. So we should take the more cautious view in this regard. And the, the way what we can do is stop eating at the earlier time. And wait for salah at the later time. For instance, 18 degree chart says that Salatul Fajr sets in at 6 a.m. And the 16 degree chart says that Salatul Fajr sets in at 6.20. So what you can do to combine the, the cautious ways of both is to stop eating at the earlier time, meaning stop eating before 6, and pray your salah at the later time, which is past 6.20. That way both your fasting and your salah is agreed upon by everyone so that is one way we can combine the two inshallah and then we can uh, avoid any kind of difference of opinion in this regard okay so next question uh, please let us know if we are supposed to follow the ramadan timetable precisely what if we keep eating suhoor 10 or more minutes beyond the time mentioned on the timetable does it mean the fasting is void? Okay, so that really depends on the timetables. At times, and you may see this like with an asterisk somewhere on the table or you know on the chart itself, on the on the, the sheet, that they are the times that are mentioned there are, you know, if there's a five minute addition to the actual timing of Salatul Fajr. For instance, if Salatul Fajr sets in at uh, 555 the chart will say that uh, Salatul Fajr at actually sets in uh, five minutes before that for the sake of caution right so we don't want you to get you know approach uh, the, the the cutoff point so that you mistakenly eat a little bit so they, they pull it back a little bit same thing for iftar if uh, if thought is at 8 p.m. for the sake of caution they may add five minutes so it's they'll write 805 so no one's you know there's no doubt about uh the the fast being uh, void but this is something that we have to make sure with the charts itself so i personally i i did not uh make the chart 
um, and uh, we have to find the individual or the, the individuals who are responsible for uh, you know compiling the chart where are they getting this information from and are they adding or subtracting any kind of minutes or are they explaining exactly like uh, astronomical as soon as Fajr sets in and as soon as Maghrib sets in if it is such that they are explaining the exact timings like exactly when Fajr sets in and exactly when Maghrib sets in there's absolutely no leeway if we go beyond that time for even a minute our fast is going to be invalid meaning for suhoor so let's say astronomically speaking like scientifically like what NASA is saying Fajr sets in at 6 a.m. if we eat beyond 6 a.m. even for one minute then that will make our fasts void it will break the fast and we will have to do a qada after Ramadan. Now, if it's like how I mentioned before, where they are, uh, you know, adding or, or subtracting some time. So, uh, Salatul Fajr is 6, but they wrote 555. Then if you eat at 556, 57, 58, 59, it's still going to be okay. So, ultimately, what, it, you know, we look at here is going to be that precise moment when Salatul Fajr sets in. And that is something that we have to ascertain. So the cautious view is to just stop beforehand. And for iftar, maybe add a minute or two if you feel some doubt regarding that. But I do believe they are adding a little bit more time you know, onto the astronomical maghrib setting or sunset setting so that we can have a little bit of a cautious view in that regard. Okay, next question. What is the ideal time to eat suhoor? Or what time constitutes eating suhoor? So the ideal time for eating suhoor, it is actually sunnah, sunnah to have the suhoor as late as possible. That means that a person will have the suhoor close to fajr. It doesn't mean that you wait like one minute before salatul fajr sets in, meaning a subhus sadiq when, when, when the time period for fajr sets in. You don't want to get so close that you start having doubts whether your fast is valid or not. But let's say maybe 10 minutes right before a subhu sadiq, then it's sunnah to have your suhoor at that time. And it is sunnah to have something for suhoor. Many people, uh, you know, they, they will probably have something uh, for dinner after salatul taraweeh, and then they will go to sleep, and then they'll wake up past, uh, you know, when, when fajr time has already set in. This is actually something that we should not do. This is against the etiquettes, also against the sunnah. Rasulullah tells us that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the angels make uh, the angels make dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends blessings on those who have the suhoor. And the sunnah method of suhoor is to have it right before Salatul Fajr. So that is what we should do inshallah regarding uh, that time. Now what time constitutes suhoor? Generally speaking it's going to be after you wake up. Right, so suhoor is something not before sleep. It's going to be when you wake up for you know salatul fajr or tahajjud around that time. So it should be you know maybe the last portion of the night, last quarter or last third of the night, inshallah. And something as simple as a, as a sip of water or a single date will constitute the suhoor itself. Okay, and the wisdom behind this, right? The wisdom behind it's also sunnah to break the fast or open the fast i should say uh at iftar time as early as possible 
meaning once you are certain Salatul Maghrib or the time for Maghrib has set in, then you should not delay in breaking or opening the fast. You should not delay in opening the fast. Meaning have a date, have some water, then you can perform your Salatul Maghrib and then you can have uh, the dinner inshallah. So what is the reasoning behind this? Why is it sunnah to delay the suhoor and have the iftar early? The hikmah behind this is that we are slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we worship him as he tells us to worship. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that the fast starts at, for instance, uh, you know, at the time of Fajr. And the fast is finished at the time of Maghrib. So we want to do exactly as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So right before that fast starts, I want to be prepared for it. And I want to start at that time. I don't want to start, you know, five, six, seven hours before and try to use my logic and say that it is more healthy for me if I uh, elongate the fast, etc. I want to be a complete slave of Allah. And, uh, you know, as soon as he tells me to start my fast, that's when I'm going to start my fast. As soon as he says the fast is over, I'm going to stop the fast. Then I'm not going to prolong it and delay it for longer than that. So that is uh, one of the wisdoms that the scholars mention. So these have been the, the questions that we have received regarding uh, Saum. There are other questions, inshallah. If we have the tawfiq, inshallah, we will answer them. Some questions regarding zakah, some questions uh, regarding finance, some regarding uh, beliefs, etc. So that will be covered in another podcast, inshallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, to grant us beneficial knowledge to give us the ability to practice upon that knowledge and also to propagate that knowledge, inshallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept us in this blessed month and give us tawfiq to please Him in the various ways that He is pleased, inshallah. Wa sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.